welcome to the Dellingpod with me, James Dellingpod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I've got a real heroine. I think that's the only only correct word, a heroine on the show this week. Before I introduce her, just let me briefly mention my sponsors. Um, we've got the Pure Gold Company, which is a way of owning gold either in a vault or having it delivered to your doorstep in the form of bullion. Or we've got monetary metals, which is a way of owning gold. And it sounds crazy, but it's true that they can do it. Paying interest, paying a small amount of interest on your gold, which means that you don't pay storage fees as you would if you were having it in a vault and you don't have to worry about where to keep it as you would if you have it at home. I I mean, I think they're both a, a a good idea. Also, I want to encourage more people um, to do what Stuart did. Stuart uh, is a sharkling with uh, with um, some splendid properties near Loch Ness in Scotland, and he's had great success um, advertising his property on this on this show. Because like you can reach forty thousand people, really uh, forty thousand really sound people, the kind of people you'd want to sell your product to. So consider giving that a go. You can email me on jamesdellingpole at icloud dot and the reason that the podcast hasn't been abundant with these things is is not because I haven't had people offering, but because I've been a bit rubbish about following them up. Um, so bear with me. Um, anyway, <laughs> Monica Smith, you're on a cruise. Is it a secret cruise? No, no. It's just I've I've been on the road for 120 days. Um, you know, living quite a nomadic, uh, fast-paced life, and I really needed a break. And um, I've got my book coming out while I'm on the cruise as well. And I thought, well, if I get lots of hate and trolls and things like that, how bad can it be when you're on a cruise, you know? So that was my rationale behind it. Yeah, exactly. And, you, and you've also got the, as we discussed before uh, we started recording, the, the gambling I, I, I like chucking money at a roulette table when you're out at sea and you're allowed to do so. Yeah, well, I, I, I was don't saying... Know, to you something that to do with I, maritime I like law, poker, I don't know. I like playing poker, but no one here plays yeah. poker. And even if you do, it's a, it's a computer poker, which I want to feel it in my hands. Kind of like if I was to buy gold, I would want the physical gold. I like to feel the cards in my hands, you know, and they don't have that here. So there's no gambling for me. Yeah. No, I, I I know what you mean. It's um yeah, having the the metal. Well, yeah, um. But of course, when the hordes, when the hordes uh, start rampaging our lands as they're going to, and they start torturing you to divulge the whereabouts of your gold, um, you know, that's the only thing. That's the only detail I worry about. Well, it's better to have it and to have that proposition than to not have it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, these are these are all horrible things that that, that, that cross my mind. As as they must, like, I mean, you know how bad things are, Monica, because you've 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 experienced the sharp end. Just 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 briefly, tell us your story. Why why I'm talking to you? Because I mean, it's pretty horrific what happened. It's almost unbelievable that it could have happened in a in a country which we we and the rest of the world were encouraged by movies like Crocodile Dundee. To manage to imagine was the land of no worries, mate. <laughs> it, it is. It was, um, which is part of the reason I think it happened the way that it did, actually. But yeah, I'll give you a snapshot of my story. Um, 
in August 2020, I started an organisation called Reignite Democracy Australia. Um, you know, the August 2020, I think, was really when people started to figure out that it wasn't two weeks to flatten the curve. People weren't dropping dead in the streets. You know, start, data started coming out. I think everyone wouldn't have minded maybe two months of what, what happened, you know, but once it started to continue and it didn't started not making sense either, that's when people sort of started waking up. So I think I started an organisation at just pretty much the right time. And um, I just did an online protest because I was still uh, respective of uh, authority and police and rules. So I didn't want to get anyone to try trouble you know so yep. I did this online protest and it just went bonkers and I had no idea what I was doing I don't know how to design websites I slapped a website together somehow and it just like it just went it just went bonkers you know and uh, before I, within about a month I had you know 50,000 email subscribers and massive Facebook and I was like oh my gosh what is happening and then um, this guy who runs a bus company had an old bus that he had decommissioned but he he signed it up and he was mocking Daniel Andrews, our premier. Um, and it basically like had a picture of Daniel Andrews going like this, you know. So and it had like sack Dan Andrews, like which means fire Daniel Andrews. And I, and it was full lockdown at that time. And I was a journalist, um, which I was acting as, as a journalist. You don't need an accreditation to call yourself a street journalist, actually, um, in Australia anyway. And so I happened to use this taxi this bus as my taxi driver uh to jobs and uh anyway so we started driving around melbourne and the police started harassing us at every corner we got pulled over like seven times in one day just because we were driving this bus and that's when i started getting the attention of mainstream media and then i had the reignite democracy australia organization and that's really that was it and but with with um exposure in in the space of going against the government mainstream narrative also comes the risk of powerful enemies obviously that comes with the territory um so about a year later uh, i think so i was actually playing the game a little bit to begin with i was i, I would i would promote a protest and i would put I am going to report on this protest. You know, obviously I was just promoting it, right? But I was playing the game so that I didn't get arrested because other people in this space were getting arrested for incitement, which was, you know, encouraging people to attend protest, encouraging them to not wear a mask or whatever. Anyway, I, I played the game for about eight months or so and I just got sick of playing the game and then I started promoting protest and saying, I'm going, you should go too and stand up for your human rights. And about a week after that, I got arrested for incitement, so just so that your audience understands, incitement is supposed to be, for example, if I encourage you to do an armed robbery and you do it because I coerced you into it, I'm also culpable of that crime. But in this scenario, they also found a loophole in the criminal system because I was encouraging people to break COVID restrictions. That's very true, I was, but breaking COVID restrictions is only a fine. It's not a criminal offence, but yet inciting people to break that COVID restriction became a criminal offence. It's like if I tell you to park in a no parking zone and you get a ticket and I get criminally charged. That's how frivolous it really is. So, but this was a tactic that they were using to silence people who had a voice. Um, what they would do is they would give you bail conditions that uh, disabled you from being able to speak online. Now, I was just in the right position at that time. I have no young children. I have a very supportive family, network, community, etc. I was in the position to say no to the bail conditions and try to set a precedent so that they can't use this loophole to silence people. So um, the two worst bail conditions, there was like 15 bail conditions, the original ones, they even wanted to shut down my bank account and all sorts of stuff. But the, the ones that were in front of the magistrate at the time, 
that I'll just tell you two of them is I had a big website at the time. It was getting 50 to 100,000 views a week. I'm telling you that because obviously it was a service that people wanted or else they wouldn't have been looking all the time. And 100,000 email subscribers, things like that. So it was obviously important at that time. They wanted me to take everything off the website within 24 hours of signing the bail conditions that that was in opposition to the COVID restrictions, not encouraging people to break COVID restrictions. That would make sense according to the charge. But anything that was literally just in opposition to the restrictions themselves, the whole website was in opposition to the restrictions. Plus, I was the vice president of a political party at the time in opposition to the current government. How could I possibly do my job if I wasn't allowed to speak? So anyway, they wanted me to delete that. Then they wanted me to not speak against the COVID restrictions, even in the comfort of my own home, for example. So I didn't sign the bail conditions. I went to prison for 22 days in solitary confinement because I wouldn't take a PCR test. And we appealed those bail conditions and won. And so the next person like me, they tried to silence in that way. They were only able to give my amended bail conditions to them. And I just want to reiterate, I've finished my spiel now, but I just want to just reiterate something that's really important is that there are a lot of people that would have done what I did. Um, but they weren't given the opportunity to or they didn't have the lifestyle situation. Like if you've got children, if you've got a different sort of lifestyle, you're not called to do, for example, what I did. I was just the right person at the right time. So I just wanted to say I'm like not more courageous than anyone else. I was just like there and I said yes to the to the calling. But we all can be courageous in our own way. And I'm the lucky one in some ways because I get the public gratification for my sacrifice, where a lot of people at home, they are putting flyers and letterbox drops every day and no one's telling them well done, you know? So I kind of yeah. am blessed that I got to do that. So I just want to say that. But before you get too modest, <laughs> oh dear. Sorry, my son's just bringing me some tea. Um, my little That's helper. very kind. Yeah, I'm English. I need tea, Monica. I don't know. Do, do Australians drink tea? Not like you guys. No, we drink coffee. We drink a lot of coffee. Actually, you've reminded me. The coffee is one of the best things about going to Australia, isn't it? Yes, I keep telling people that and they don't believe me. No. It's true. Even if you go to a kind of shitty street stall and ask oh. for a flat white, the quality is better than you'd get in it's most a sort lot of, of places. B bougie yeah. coffee yeah. places. Yeah. In oh, London. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've been telling people that they don't believe me. I mean, there are still there are still some things worthwhile about Australia, but but the the list is diminishing all the time. Um, I'm just trying to find a oh, trying to find a surface that I, I I'm using the ironing board, which is never popular with the wife. Um, do you do you upload this whole thing up there? Do I what? Sorry. Do you upload this, the whole video when it's finished, or do you edit it? I use this I use this thing called Riverside, or sometimes Streamyard. And it does the kind of I, I then send it off to my people. Um, oh, okay. my, my I was little helper. Say, that's it's uh, nice that it's casual, but okay. Oh, Monica, I just can't. All I can do is is the is the talking bit, um, and, I, and and <laughs> but barely that. Anything else? This this podcast would never happen without my team. I've got a really really good team, and that's awesome. Well, you should focus on what you're good at. I, that's what we should all do. Well, well, yeah. I wanted to ask you then. So. I remember March 2020, as, I mean, as recently as that, I, I, I looked at all those videos coming out of China and I, and I, and I, I, was, uh, um, I was addicted to kind of these chat rooms and things 
talking about this coming pandemic. And there was a there was a period where I believed it all. Um, I mean, I I turned fairly quickly, but but my radicalization has, has has taken place in the in the in the in a period of about three years, and it sounds like you're the same you were just like an, an ordinary person who, who kind of believed in the authorities and kind of trusted they'd do the right thing more or less and and you you sort of had faith in the system and you must have been kind of mugged by reality is that fair um i have faith in humanity so i thought that government officials police whatever they're all humans yeah. and they probably have a similar compassion level as me and you know they yeah. want to help people that that was probably my uh, awakening to realise that humanity isn't all the same. Um, in saying that, though, um, and that e- the evil exists, of course, but my, my, my family has always been, I guess you could say, alternative in, like, me- medicine and things like that. We, we're even, like, we're Catholics, but we're Latin mass Catholics, which is, like, the yes. radicalised version of Catholicism. So we're kind of used to being, I guess you could say, out of the box already. And my mum didn't vaccinate any of us, which... Is, was her choice at the time. So she was obviously already thinking differently than the average Joe like 40 years ago, you know. So um, I'm believing in God as well, uh, whether you believe in God or not doesn't matter, but it kind of it puts humans in a different category. You're not going to look at government as your saviour because you've got a saviour, you know. And I think that – so I was never really – like I never praised the government, but I did think that they were humans and that they yeah. – well, they are human. I did think that they were people like me and my family, and they're not. That was that was hard. That was really hard to see, yeah. People, like, especially well, technically. The police, you know, shooting the police are like us. They're on the same level of citizenship, you know, and they did shoot rubber bullets at us at close proximity. And it was it was that moment, it was that evening that it dawned on me, it hit me like a ton of bricks, that if they were given orders to round me and my family up for the health of the elderly people, they would do it. They would do it. Yeah. And that, that was scary. I was, I was watching what was happening in, in Victoria particularly. I mean, it was, the, it was of all the Australian... It was Victoria. It was. It was, yeah. it was the worst, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, oh, oh, I you think... can't even compare the other states. Well, Northern it, Territory. It was its was... own country. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, why do you think that was, by the way? Why do you th- Why was Victoria the worst? Look, I can only stipulate here, but I would say that it is Daniel Andrews has a very close relationship with China, so he yeah. has been there almost forty-five times in I think six years or eight years as as being the uh, premier, and Quite he actually he actually wanted to um, sign the Belt and Road Initiative for Victoria as if Victoria was its own country. Like, he can't do that. That's international foreign. Like, you can't sign up a, a deal like that for a state of Australia. Like, it's against all of our, you know, constitutions and things. But he was in conversations with with the Communist Party of China to do that. So I think maybe that has something to do with it. Um, that's all I can stipulate, I guess. Yeah, but it's not – okay, so I've been to Melbourne – and I know it is full of, I was about to say liberals, but of course liberals are Australian conservatives, but it is, it is quite kind of lefty. T- I, I, I had a terrible experience on a radio show of somebody called John Fane. He, he's from Melbourne, isn't he? On ABC, on the ABC. Just absolutely nauseating character. Um, and I was just wondering whether perhaps uh, Victoria was the most 
Pinko State in Australia. Oh, you're cutting out a lot. Can you still hear oh. me? Okay. Uh yeah. Uh, did you okay, did good. you miss did you miss all no, that? No, 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 no. I got it. I'll just answer it now. Um, yeah. So we are quite a, a left leaning state, I guess you could say. Uh, we're you know there's a lot of artsy things and there's a lot of um, hippie areas. Or I'm not sure. Um, I guess the population is quite city dense as well, which you know usually that is like the lefty arenas. I guess. Um, was it worse because of that? No, I really think it came from Daniel Andrews. I really do. Because, like, yes, we might have a lot of lefties, but we also had a huge pushback because of how far we were pushed. That's human nature. Like, the more you get pushed, the more people are going to wake up. So I would say, and I've travelled Europe now quite extensively, especially within the freedom movement, and I can say that Victoria probably has the strongest uh, biggest freedom movement per capita of anywhere in the world. Why? Oh. Because we were pushed the most. And I think that's indicative of human nature. And so that if you feel like your local area is all asleep, blah, 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 it's probably because it just wasn't that painful. The more pain, the more people wake up. Let me give you an example. There was one bill. It was in December 2021. It was called the Pandemic Bill. Now, we had a protest just to protest against that bill. We had people sleeping at Parliament for two weeks. It was, like, quite extreme. Um, should go down in the history books. But the protest was just against this bill. So it wasn't a spread-out message. It was very specific. There was 600,000 people at that protest. Now, Victoria's entire population is 6 million, and it's a big state. It's the size of probably England almost, Right. And that 6 million population includes young, uh, babies and elderly and disabled and blah, blah, blah. So the fact that 10% of the entire population was on the street for one bill shows that that probably represented 50% of the people, really. And uh, the funniest thing is, not funny, but the bill went through the next week. So I think the ways that democracy used to work doesn't work anymore. And I think protesting is really important to bring people together. But I think our expectations should be low uh, it doesn't change legislation, um, unfortunately. That's amazing. So how many, what percentage would you say, because you, you Australians particularly, I mean, actually Canada and New Zealand was the same, um, you were put under particularly strong pressure to get these these vaccines, to the, well, the, mm. these jabs, to the point mm. where it was almost impossible to work at one point, wasn't it, without, without these oh, death was. jabs? Oh, it was. I mean, it was even it was so ridiculous that even children couldn't be in the basketball team if their parents weren't vaccinated. Like it was, it was so insane. It was so insane. Um, and we still have mandates, by the way. So a company can choose to mandate the fifth jab if they want to. Yeah. Um, Doesn't matter what industry it is. How, what percentage would you say were able to resist? Look, it's, impossi it's impossible to say because I think the numbers are lying. They said 95% of people took it. And if that's true, I've met pretty much every single person in the 5%, which doesn't make sense. Um, I'm pretty sure they wanted that crowd mentality, you know, where they wanted people to think, well, everyone else is getting it. So I will say a lot of people rejected it. A lot of people took it and woke up after. But also a lot of people took it who didn't want to take it. And that was one of our biggest mistakes is somehow the movement did not was not able to portray to these people that it's if you just hold the line for two months it'll all end and it was true it, the mandates mostly ended 
after about six months. So all you needed to do was hold the line for a bit longer. And if more of them have held the line, then we probably wouldn't have had mandates. They probably wouldn't have been successful. Um, so we failed in, in that case. Because if, if, if everyone had said no that didn't want it, there was a lot of people. I mean, I know stories of people who went to the lineup and they were crying while the nurse was injecting them. I mean, the nurse should not do that. That's not informed consent. That's that's coercion. And they and they still would jab them. So yeah. That's oh, that's awful. That that makes Could you me imagine? really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it's heartbreaking. And and some of these people, of course, will subsequently have died or, or suffered so called life changing injuries. And even that, what about on your integrity? Your morals cope like you can't buy that back, you know. Like a lot of fathers, especially, they would say, and I kind of I have sympathy for these people, but you know I have to take the jab to feed my family. But then they they've lost respect for themselves, so they're never the same person again, or it's going to be a lot harder. Or they had an adverse reaction, and now they can't feed their family anyway. So I understand the predicament that they were in, but I'm sorry, but you can't. I don't think you can justify making a bad decision for a good reason, like you're always going to be better off long-term respecting your integrity and moral compass. And I think a lot of people learned that. And I, I feel really sorry for those people that took it because they felt like they had to, and now they feel like probably stupid, which is, I said, I feel bad for them. Yeah. 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 Well, what were the ways that people used to get round taking these jabs? I mean, I mean, how easy was it to get fake passes, for example, fake certificates and things like that? Well, I actually got a blood test done and I had COVID antibodies in my system. I was never even sick. Um, so I got a six-month exemption. Now, I didn't use it to go to cafes and things because that's playing the game, you know what I mean? But I yeah. did use it to go to the gym because I thought that's health and well-being, that's fine. And I just wanted to have it just in case. Um, but otherwise, you could get, of course, there was a black market for this stuff. You can get the fake ones on the phones. You also had doctors that were pretending to jab you and putting it in the sink. Um, there was lots of that stuff going on. And good on them, you know. Like, good on them, yeah. Good totally. on them. Like, that's not a rule that you have to. And um, there's a saying, I don't know if you've ever heard of Topher Field. He made that documentary, Battleground. I've had Holland. him on the podcast. I love Topher. Oh, okay. So good people break bad laws, you know. Yeah. Um, he made a speech recently that was just really fantastic. And um, he said the highest respect that you can show for the law is actually to break bad laws. And, and I thought that was really powerful. I'm, I'm really encouraged. I mean, I'm appalled by some of the bad stuff you've told me, but I'm really encouraged that, that, that the resistance movement is so strong in, in Victoria because I'd, I'd, I'd been slightly... I'd, as I say, I'd watched this stuff from afar and thought, Australia, you know, I've seen Gallipoli. How fast are your legs? <laughs> How fast are you going to run? What are your legs? Steel springs. How fast are you going to run? As fast as a leopard. And how fast are you going to run? As fast as a leopard. So I, <laughs> I've seen that, that bit with the Vangelis music in the background. And I've seen Crocodile Dundee. And I've seen... I've seen the odd angry shot about the Australian SAS in Vietnam and, uh, you know, loads of, loads of, well, I grew up watching um, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's he saying there, Skip? Um, you probably watched it more than, more than we did, yeah. I, I did. And there was a series called Boney. Do you ever see that? <laughs> Boney about an Aboriginal. That sounds bad. <laughs> it was about an Aboriginal detective, I think he was. Oh, or well, there you like go. That. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. 
So th- th- there was this sort of image that was sold to the world of Australia as the lucky country, happy-go-lucky, you know, put another shrimp on the barbie, uh, don't forget the aerogard, all this kind of thing. And, and you, you, you know, you're, you're surrounded by the most dangerous animals on earth. You've got the 10 deadliest snakes in the world, all in Australia. Uh, you've got the sharks, you've got the box jellyfish, you've got the, the salties and stuff. And we have this image of you as these kind of, you know, you've got corks on your hats and, and, and you don't take any nonsense. But actually what I saw happening in that, in that it was like, what happened to Australia in that period? Mm. So the whole no, no nonsense thing, it kind of goes both ways. Um, yeah, we, we take a lot before we get angry. We, we, we honestly yeah. do. We are very easygoing people, which is our strength, w- was one of our strengths, something that mm. I loved about Australia. Also, we've got a lot of immigrants who, like from Holland and um, Greece and Italy and stuff that came to Australia for a better life, and they've had it. We've had a fantastic life. I'm first-generation Australian. I'm the only sibling born in Australia. I've never seen war or conflict or anything, and my dad hasn't either. He came here to escape that conflict. So the last generation and a half has pretty much had the perfect life. And while they were busy having families and living this perfect life, politics were going askew and no one was doing anything about it because the Liberals in Australia, which is Conservatives, we are very family focused and if we don't have to we don't want to protest we don't want to do all this stuff because we just want to live our lives right mm-hmm. so while they were doing that this stuff was happening and so over the last i would say 40 years um and it, all of this is an opinion of course but you know in school and stuff like that i was never encouraged to be patriotic or like put my flag up or you know it was just never a thing no one ever talked about being like proud to be Australian and probably it's in the countryside a lot but in the suburbia it just wasn't and I think over the last 50 years or so um, it's been kind of bred out of us and we've just had it too good that we've become very weak and the men in Australia are very weak too and that's obviously a cultural thing that's happening all around the world through Marxism and leftism but if you go out into the countryside, maybe you've got some fair income blokes out there. Yeah. But in in suburbia, I tell you what, you're you're hard you're hard pressed just to find a guy who's not wearing tight jeans. Like Monica, yeah. you've ma- you make a good point there. So mm. many Australian men are either gay or, or or gay acting. It's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. I mean, the freedom movement has some pretty you know manly men in there, but they Tradies. are definitely they're definitely far and few between. Um, and, and, and so we, we are so, like I said, we're so easygoing and that's what people love about us. And that's why I think we took a while. We took the crap from the government for a while, but then it got to a point where it was too much. And anyone that wasn't in that weak thing came out into the woodworks, you know? And so we got to see all of the strong men, I think, and women in that time. And because, and like, like, yes, we were definitely trodden on, but, um, uh, the freedom movement now is like there's so many events, there's so many groups. Everyone has a support network now. Like you know, good luck. I I, I hope he tries to lock us down again. I I can't wait to see what we would do because <laughs> we wouldn't take it. There's no way because we've learned our lesson. We used to run around like crazy, didn't we? Well, like I did as an activist, trying to fight every battle, trying to do this, and we didn't really have 
organization or anything like that. But now we're so organized and networked and calm and we just we're just not scared anymore. So I just can't wait. I was like I just can't wait to see how Melbourne responds if, if something else happens. That's really interesting. Um you mentioned that you're a first generation um immigrant. What what's what's um where where is Smith from? Uh my dad's Dutch. My mum's Canadian. Right. Um they had well my, my dad moved here when he was twelve with his family. But then they had forced conscription for the Vietnam War, so then they fled to Canada. So they actually fled twice um, to get away from conflict. But then my parents had four children in Canada and moved back to Australia and had me. I think they did the right thing by avoiding fighting in the Vietnam War, which was completely pointless and started by started by America for disaster capitalism. Yeah, not the reasons. first time, not the last time. No, obviously. Absolutely. Like, what are we even fighting for? I don't even know, but that's another story. I want to hear, um, although it's going to pain me, the gory details about when they came for you, when they arrested you, and, and what it was like in solitary. So tell me, tell me, that, tell me how it happened. Sure. Well, I um, had put online that I was going to do an interview at a doctor's house, Dr. Ian Brighthope, and I think they figured out where he lived and they waited for me to finish the interview and then they, they picked me up. And it was funny because I said to the doctor, because like people were getting arrested like me in that time, you know, or even a bit before. So it wasn't out of my range of possibility. And I made a joke to him and I was like, make sure you keep doing interviews if I get arrested, okay? And then I literally walked out and got arrested. Um, I also had a dream three days beforehand of exactly what happened happening, not the same colours and imagery, but I was kind of prepared for it mentally. It was so vivid, that dream, that I told my boyfriend at the time, like, you know, if I get arrested and get given bad bail conditions, I'm not going to sign them. And he's like, so you'll go to prison? And I was like, if I have to. And then three days later, I was there. So it's kind of, I think God prepared me for it. So that's why I wasn't really scared. I was shocked. I was annoyed. I remember I was in the car and I got pulled over and I didn't see that there was three cars. I only saw one car. And I turned on my live stream because at that time you couldn't trust police anymore. So you just always turned on your live stream. And I thought they were pulling me over because I was out of my five-kilometre zone. But I was obviously, being a journalist, I was allowed to be. So I thought it would just be a conversation and I'd be on my way. Um, and uh, then, you know, he said, you're under arrest for incitement. And I, in the video, I just went, oh. like, <laughs> so I wasn't like, I was just like, oh, here we go, you know. And so um, they just took me behind the bush to do a strip search, uh, you know, search, whatever, and I, then I looked and there was three undercover, like, black, you know, SUV, like, four-wheel drive, big cars, you know, and all the police were plain dressed, you know, so the serious ones, you know. And uh, then they, they took me to remand. I did an interview. Everything was no comment, of course. Um, it was like 12 hours of just sitting in a room doing nothing, having nothing to do, and uh, obviously. And then um, they wouldn't give me bail, of course. And so, yeah, I went to prison and, and you know, in the in – the, in the van, the transport van. Well, actually, no, I'll back up. The night before the bail hearing, there was another woman in the cell next to me and she was screaming as if she was, like, going to die because she would have just come off the streets like me kind of thing. And I swear it was the devil. He was, like, telling me that you can't do this. Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. And I was, like, having this, like, argument with this crazy woman in this other cell. Anyway, so then the next day we had the bail hearing and I said, I, I won't sign those bail conditions. And my lawyer's like, do you know what you're doing? Like, you're going to go to prison. I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, all right, fine, whatever. Anyway, so 
I get into the onto the transport truck and they say to me, oh, have you been in one of these before? And I'm like, does it look like I've been in one of these before? I'm a political prisoner. I'm not a criminal. And that became my um, sort of sentence that I would say to everyone. So in, in prison, the, look, the most the most horrific thing about prison was the, the strip search at the prison when you had to open things up. Um, that's kind of like a virtual rape, really. It's pretty oh. gross. Yeah. And it's, look, I understand why they have to do it. Like, I get it. It's protocol. But, like, I'm not a criminal. And um, it, so that was pretty hard. And uh, then, in so in solitary confinement, to be honest, it was pretty comfortable. I mean, obviously, the toilet's right there. The, everything's in the same room. It's t- it's about three metres by three and a half metres. So it's small. But, like, I've stayed in worse hostels in my life. Um, it was fine. Um, but they, they call you by your cell number, not your name, which is kind of dehumanising. And um, I didn't have a TV or anything for like 12 days and I had to, I was writing my book on the back of like colouring in, like it was, yeah, it was, it was basic, but the people were pretty nice in there. Uh, they tried to convince me to sign the bail conditions for the first three days, I think, and I just kept saying no. There was a fan in there because she was like, I saw you getting arrested and I can't believe you're here, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, and uh, yeah, so um, the probably the hardest thing about prison, I actually, Firstly, I'm glad I was in isolation because I think that's a lot easier than being in the open prison with the other prisoners because I really wouldn't have fit in there. It would have been really hard for me, I think. It would have been interesting, a good story, but I don't think I needed to experience that. But the hardest thing was the other women. So you couldn't see them, but you could hear them. And so the, the, the ward that I was in was the, the ward where people have just been caught doing something. So they're still on influence. They're still influenced by something or they're angry at themselves for getting caught again. Every single woman I heard, and I probably heard about 15 or 20 of them, they'd all been in prison before, which means that the system is obviously broken because to keep a prison going, you need prisoners, right? So why would they want to rehabilitate them? But anyway, so it was really hard to hear the struggles of these other women, young girls, 21, 22, you know, that was actually the hardest thing for me is the other women. Um, but otherwise, I was pretty much fine. Why were you in, in solitary? Because I wouldn't take you... a PCR test. <laughs> yeah. And originally, it was supposed to be 14 days isolation because I didn't take a PCR test. And so I was kind of excited to get out into the open, go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. I'd been, like, pacing back and forth all day. It's, like, super dizziness. And... um. Well, on about day 10, the pro- the process changed to 19 days instead of 14. I was like, oh, okay, that's convenient. And then a- after 19 days, instead of letting me out into the open prison, they put me in another isolation ward because they knew that my court case was in three days and I reckon they just didn't want to deal with, like, like putting me through the process of going to the open prison just to get out. But I don't think they're supposed to do that. I didn't go outside for 22 days. I did not you, feel the wind on my on my face for 22 days. I don't think they're allowed to do that. We'll find ha, out. Have you got redress against against these these people? Can can you can you sue them for what happened? Yeah, or? yeah. So I'm definitely doing something. But I actually there was um covid fines attached to the same charge um that I only finished before I started traveling. So I was really not able to start my proceedings until now anyway. So we are working on the statement of claim. And it's, uh, I obviously can't say exactly what it is because um, there's so many different avenues that you can do legal things. I don't know if you've realised it's not really about being right or wrong. It's about 
who yeah. you go after and how well you can present yourself. It's really a sham. I hate it. But um, we are going to make a big noise about this and we're, we're going after someone near the top, not not the police who arrested me. I mean, I bet you they don't feel good about it. I don't, I don't think so. I hope not. It's not really them that we want to make an example of. But you know what they do to us, right, James? There's that, it's process by punishment, right? So I'm going to do that back to them. Uh, hey, I, I totally salute you for doing that, Monica. Mm. Um, it, it, I don't think I, I'm going to win. But I don't care. It's not about that. No, well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, my feeling is that everything is so broken. I mean, broken beyond, beyond redemption, beyond repair. And that would certainly apply to the justice system. I mean, I, I've, I've come to realise that the lawyers, uh, the courts are as corrupt as any institution. Yeah, I'll t- I'll, I will say one thing that I, I always have hope and it could it's either my biggest weapon or my biggest weakness. I don't know. But um, I believe that there is a judge out there who is waiting for the right case to come past their desk. They're ready for retirement. You know, they want to make yeah. their grandkids proud. They want to go down in history books for the right reasons. They've yeah. watched their industry get completely, this industry that they've given their entire lives to, like you probably felt when you figured out that the mainstream media was so corrupt, you know, and they're, yeah. they're, they're dying inside and they're waiting for the right case. And maybe my case is the one they're waiting for. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a different one. But I know there's a good judge out there. But it's not going to happen at the bottom. It has to happen near the top. Because the ones at the bottom, they want to keep their career and they actually get paid by the state government, whereas the federal judges, they get paid by the federal government. It's less, it, they can go against the government. But the ones at the bottom, they're never going to go against the government. They literally pay their electricity bills. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So it's stitched up. I was, I was thinking then what you were saying then. You've, I, I, I think you and I are on the same page that I, my, my journey in the last three years has been, well, I mean, once my eyes were opened to how the world really is, it, uh, people started warning me, people who love me, saying, you know, you realise you're exposing yourself to great risk here. You know, they, they'll, they'll come after you and they'll destroy you and they might even kill you. But when you're aware of just how evil the world is or how evil the people who run the world are, you kind of don't, don't give a shit about that, you know, about yourself anymore, because you just want to beat the bastards. You want, you want to put them in their place. Is that how you feel? Well, there is something I think people like us might be chosen for a specific reason is that I think we kind of find it interesting. It's not boring. And um, like, even like when I first got into jail, I was like, huh, well, my book just got better, didn't it? You know, like I just, I make myself, yeah. I, I'm, I laugh. I laugh at these stories because I love to tell stories later. And um, I think we kind of see it as a challenge maybe. And maybe we're the type of people who like challenges because we've recognised that it makes us stronger people. Every adversity ends up making you a better person, right? So instead of being upset when you get a challenge, you're like, oh, great, what am I going to learn from this, right? And so I think when when you woke up, you were probably like, wow, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And also the feeling you get when you're in pain, but you've done the right thing, that feeling is kind of like a drug, you know, it's really overwhelming, that feeling. But also, Monica, we're both, we're both Christians and it's like... It helps. 
Well, well we lot. can see that this is a this is a, a spiritual war. That 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 what is being played out in the materium is merely a sort of low level manifestation of the great battle that's happening in on the supernatural level. Totally. And, and who'd, who'd, yeah. who'd, who'd want to fight for Team Evil when you know the consequences? Well, if you believe in heaven, then you believe yeah. that this is merely a journey to get to heaven or hell. So you kind of want to be in heaven and you realise that life is actually really hard. Like, I actually don't mind if I go early to heaven. I mean, I've got no kids, you know. So, you know, I think when you're not afraid of death, it takes away a lot of the fear. And I don't know, I think there's a certain point as well where you feel like actually God is like counting on you for something. And when you start to feel that burden, I would call it a burden. It's a joy, but it's a burden. Um, yeah. You can't, you can't really walk away because you'll never be satisfied. So it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I, I, I feel very mm. much like I've been given this mission from God. And I sort of, I've got to do whatever, you know, I, 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 I've got no, no choice in the matter, really. I mean, it's, 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 unless it's you a, want to be unhappy. Good point. But, but also this has got to be a sort of, a sort of tempering process for the soul that, 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 that these tests are, are, are sort of take us to the, to the next level. I think, I think, I think this world is a testing ground and, you know, not everyone, not everyone passes the test, mm. but I kind of want to be one of those who does. But everyone, everyone actually has a mission. Um, it's just that some people pretend to want to follow that mission, but they actually don't. They get the signs and they ignore them. And other people um, look for it really hard and find it. And you, you'll notice that those people, they probably experience the biggest adversities, but they're also very fulfilled because, in fact, the struggle towards a goal is actually all all a man needs to be happy, apparently. A man meaning a human. Um, like, you don't actually have to get to the goal necessarily. It's that journey of striving for something that keeps you alive, you know what I mean? So I think if, you're, if you've if you got some sort of mission in, in mind, that's, be that's better than, than nothing. <laughs> have, you, have you always been this way, by the way? Or, or, or were, you, were you more kind of lukewarm in your childhood? Oh, no, I have not been this way. Uh, no. Mm-mm. No, uh, that's kind of what the what my book is about. Um, it's like you don't just you don't just wake up one day and decide to be a uh, s strong activist against the, the government. <laughs> it's a long process no. to get there. Yeah, it's a long process. So from about eighteen to twenty five, I was a complete lost soul, partying, drugs, the whole lot. You know, not like the not like shooting up and stuff. You know, but. But drugs, yeah. you know, lots of marijuana pills. and lots of drinking. No, no, we didn't even do pills in Australia. No, oh, just you just were weak, actually. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not that bad, you no. know. But but a lot of other things happened in my childhood, abuse and things like that, and it really messed me up for a long, long time. And um, I, I I came back to church when I was about twenty six, and um, it was kind of like a three year period of one foot in both camps, I guess, and. Um, from about 28 onwards, I'm 35 now, I've been, you know, a devout practicing Catholic and, you know, my life can be sometimes a bit dull or a little bit lonely being, you know, a, a devout Catholic, but uh, being unmarried, I mean. But um, overall, I'm um, a much happier person than I was back then, that's for sure. What, why is it lonely being a devout Catholic? 
Well, don't you know the rules? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I guess there's that. But you've yeah, got... Yeah, there's that. Oh, I've got okay. lots of people around me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the, the dating scene is a lot harder. I, 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 I actually know, Monica. I, I do see your point there. So, so you haven't got a, you're not, you're not married. No, I was, I was engaged up until about a year ago, um, and since then, no. So uh, that's one of the reasons I tra- I started traveling was because, um, you know, I well, one things opened up, and so I was yeah. like, now's the time. Uh, but yeah. also, from a personal perspective, I completely lost myself in the freedom movement. Like, I forgot who I was before that. Um, yeah. I don't regret it, but I probably could have done it a bit better in balancing things and broke up with my fiancé. So I was supposed to be married with kids right now or a kid in the belly or yeah. something. So I was like, okay, well, I better go do the things that people with kids can't do. So here I am on a cruise ship in the uh, in the yeah, but Monica, I have to say, there's going to be a lot of a lot of Dellingpod viewers and listeners, uh, you know, possibly <laughs> of, a, of a traditional Catholic mass persuasion. He'll be he'll be queuing up, queuing up to marry you. Oh so, well, um, Sue, you know, I wouldn't I, worry I about that. I am a bit that. of a handful if you haven't if you can't tell. So I'm a bit of a, a bit of a risk uh, versus benefit analysis there. <laughs> no, I, no, I think you, you're you're selling yourself short there. I think I think you're oh, going to have no it. problem. I, I I like to consider this to be the the, the kind of the, the the matchmaking podcast that's oh, going to make it all right for funny. you. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. You've gotten a lot more personal out of me than most other people. But um, the you know. Talking about duty and mission and stuff like that, I, I've long considered that that my role in life is not to get married and have kids and just to be this person. But I also would like to have it all. So I'm pretty sure I can make that happen too. But if God is asking me to be single forever, I'm happy to do it, is my point. Like, I'm okay with it. But if yeah. uh, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather have it all. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It, 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 it is quite hard working out day to day what it is that 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 god wants what our what our chosen path is it it is hard and sometimes you can push thinking that he wants something but actually that's you who wants it and it's really very hard to decipher but i think the only way you can is by having alone time and allowing your thoughts to go wherever that needs to go pray things Mm. like that and you do Mm. you get like you get these feelings and you you know the difference and if you're if you're following God's path, then the feelings that you get in theory should be from God, right? But if you're like playing this game of being like with God and without God, if you get feelings, sometimes you won't know where it's coming from. Yeah. So that's like a really, really hard thing. Like if I haven't been praying properly or whatever and I get an inspiration, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's from, I don't know where that's from because it could just be a distraction. Do you know what I mean? So it's really hard to decipher the, the voices, but they come. Yeah. I know, and 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 there's there's all the this this division within the different uh, sects or, or whatever you want to call them of 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 Christianity. So that you know, I love I love Latin Mass Catholics. I mean, I think you're 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 hardcore. But then I look at the Calvinists, and and they they couldn't be further on the other side, and yet and yet they are hardcore core too. And uh, I, I but but I do think I do think Latin Mass Catholics are among the. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the kind of A-team of, 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 of the resistance. It's really funny because I, this can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm at Society of St. Pius X. We are excommunicated from Rome, which right now 
is actually a better place to be, to be honest. Um, of course, but, you don't want to uh, be with the, with the Pope yeah, is the Antichrist. He's, well, he's not. He's, oh, he's, he's, well, he's, he's the anti-Pope anyway. He's he's not great. Anyway, um, uh, when I go to SSPX specifically, um, absolutely about ninety five percent of them are awake. That can't be a coincidence. I don't know. No. I can't say exactly what it is, but I think it's got something to do with the fact that we're used to being ostracized and we're comfortable outside the box that we don't really care what people think as much. I think that might be it, but I don't know. We're pretty awake. Yeah. And and you, you can ward off demons, can't you? Sancta Michael Archangelae defendenos in prolio contra niquitiam et insidias diaboli estu presidium. Oh. Imperitri wow. deus supplicates deprecamor, chuque princeps miliciae celestis in virtute dei. You know that one? I feel like I need to do a sign of the cross after that. That was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, obviously, I, there's yeah, a lot but, of strong Christians in this movement too. It's a, it does... It's definitely not exclusively God believers in the freedom movement, but it, it's definitely got to be a like a high percentage, don't you think? Oh, definitely. And I've I've mm. I've seen I've seen also people who were awake but not yet Christians that sort of converting on mass. I mean, in large numbers, it's really quite. It's it. it uh, I kind of think that this is one of the, one of the missions I've been given to red pill people and white pill people. And it it, it seems, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it works. I didn't know that. I didn't know oh, yeah. that. That's good. Yeah, there's a there's a big spiritual spiritual uh, group too, though. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, I, I was going to ask you. Yeah, where do you think this is all going? I mean, do do you think we are we are live about to live out Revelation? Okay, so I think every generation kind of thinks that they're going to live through the Bible stories because they think that they're special enough to kind of experience that. I mean, I guess in some ways there has been a huge progression in technology that maybe we are the generation to see it. Um, but I don't, I don't really like to think about that too much. But what I will say is like, obviously this is all opinion, but um, I do think that the globalists and the Agenda 2030, I don't think they're doing very well. I think they're actually in crisis mode. And um, it, they, they, they want to make it look like that everything is on track because they want to keep us in fear. Um, like bringing in a digital ID or CBDCs or 15-minute cities, it's a big job. And um, I don't think they're going to do very well. Look at what happens with with ULEs, you know. This is what happens. When you, when you ask people to pay for their virtue signalling, you find out how much they actually care about virtue signalling. So anyway, um, I think they're going to make some big mistakes. Um, and I think that's going to be when we, as the movement, uh, get a lot of new credible members. And um, I think that, I think there might be, again, just guessing here, there might be six months of like really bad times, like not being able to shop at the grocery store because you're not, you don't have the digital ID or something like that. And that's when our real integrity is going to be tested. The people who said yes to the vaccine and didn't want it, I hope they've learned their lesson. That this time there is no messing about because once Catherine Austin Fitz, you know her, she she says that we're in like a three fenced paddock, a corral, right? And the three fences are already up. The digital ID is the last fence, and if we do not create holes in the other fences now, when that digital ID comes in, that's it for potentially generations. You know what I mean? This is the last stand. So no matter how much pain you're going through, you cannot sign up for that digital ID. You just can't. And by the way, I just want to make a funny antidote here is that I'm on, on a cruise right now 
and they have this technology. It's this little pendant that you wear around your neck or on your on your wrist. And my gosh, it is incredible technology. And on the cruise ship, it's quite convenient. It's like you go up to the bar, honestly, there's, there might be 20 people at the bar. You order a drink, they know who you are. I don't know how the technology differentiates. It must be like a pointing thing or I don't know. I went into a jewellery shop and they had a raffle and I went to go give them my pendant to join the raffle and they're like, no, 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 it's okay. Everyone in this room is is automatically entered into the raffle and I'm just like, and it's freaky. You walk past people, you're like, hi, Monica, and you're like, it's freaky, right? You walk to your door and it opens before you get there, right? So it's this funny sense of what the digital ID would be and I can see that it's going to be extremely attractive to people that don't understand. And so what I've done here on the cruise ship is every chance I get, I'm like, this is really creepy and it's okay on the cruise, but I wouldn't want this technology anywhere else. And every, every single person I've spoken to said, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a bit creepy, you know. Um, you wouldn't want it in the, in the hands of the wrong person, would you, you know. And they all agree, which is great. So the point is, is that the technology is there to absolutely track and trace and identify us 100%, 150%, you know, and we need to say no, is my point. <laughs> No, <laughs> I think I think that the word for this device you've got is isn't it is it not called the mark of the beast? Well, it's, uh, on the cruise ship, it's the mark. I guess you could call. Yeah, th- of course, in the Bible, mark of the beast. That's what yeah. the digital ID would be, right? It would be in the wrist or in the fore- forehead, I guess. Or on a pendant um, around your neck. Why not? Why not? Um, you, I couldn't be on this cr- cruise without it. And like I said, in the context of the cruise, I'm fine with it because it makes sense, you know. But it. it really has shocked me how how good how good the uh, technology is yeah the, the, these bastards they're not they're not stupid that's what i, I mean okay that they're, they're, they're a bit lazy in that they use the same techniques again and again over over centuries indeed millennia but they're not i mean it's not like I, one of the things I hear from from normies is, yeah, I don't believe any of these people are capable of organising a conspiracy on the level you describe. And you're thinking, hang on a second, they started two world wars. They 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 persuaded us that these were just wars and that and that people died nobly. You know, millions were killed, and it it was all it was all you know it was all necessary. They started the Vietnam War. They they did nine eleven. They did they assassinated various presidents. They what? And you're saying they're incompetent, right? It's not that hard. I could do it. If you gave me the number one networking person from each country, right, I could send a mass email to all of them and they then send it to their other people. Now, if I had billions of dollars, of course I could run the whole world. Anyone could with that sort of money and networks. It's not that hard. I think it's just they just don't want to fathom the concept and they think it's impossible and that's what the media has told them. They do make fun of us saying, this globalist thing but then it's i don't know if you know this about satanists but i didn't know this until recently i think jordan peterson might have said it but they actually have to warn you before they do something um but it can be really subtle it can be like in an indie film that like no one watches right or it can be obvious in a book like the agenda 2030 for example you know so it's all there for people to see and so when they do do pull off whatever they pull off they can say to their God, their, sorry, their, the devil, they, don't worry, I told them and they didn't listen, it's their fault. That's kind of their way out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's called revelation of the method. It's called, it's, 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 you're right. There it's is this, yeah. there's the concept of, of, of karma is um, in their religious 
worldview is that you have to tell the people what you're doing to them. And if they fail to act on that warning, however veiled the warning might be, then they kind of deserve what's coming. And so they're always, they're always telling us this stuff. You're right. Yeah. So, and then all we try to do is tell everyone else and they, sorry, I'm just getting my charger from my laptop. And then they call us crazy and it's literally right there in front of them. So when they do, when these people, for example, do wake up and they realize that what we were saying was pretty much right the whole way, they're going to feel really bad. They're going to feel even worse than we felt during COVID when we were ostracized and discriminated against because they're going to realize what they did to us. And um, I hope that our movement can forgive um, the people who treated us really badly. And the example that I use is that, you know, if I can forgive the, the police who asked me to spread my bits, then surely you can forgive the 15-year-old at the supermarket who told you to put on a mask, you know what I mean? Because they're going to go through a massive depression, in fact, potentially suicidal uh, epidemic because they're going to realise that we were right the whole time and they're going to feel really stupid and they were so terrible. And the doctors who injected people and things like that, the police who shot rubber bullets at us, like, come on, imagine how hard it's going to be for them. So please refrain from saying I told you so as much as you possibly can and just be there for those people so that we can be a, a stronger force together. Did did people – there was a story that it was hard to know what was fake and what was true, but didn't somebody die by being hit by a rubber bullet in the head? No. No? That didn't happen? Not that, I'm pretty sure I would know about that if that happened. No, you would do. Um, you would do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was intrigued by your suggestion that you might be – capable of running the world and i have to say monica I, i'd so much rather you were doing it oh, good to know <laughs> no i would though but but here's I'd give the thing. it a shot do you not think that it would go to your head you'd be like Gollum with the ring of power oh and... look i don't think anyone should be in control of the world that's the whole point of God. decentralization well yeah no no, no. corruption uh, any like what if the world health organization the world economic forum what if they started off with good intentions and then and as soon as they got a little bit of um, clout, they got corrupted. They got taken over, you know. So I, 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 centralization, although it's attractive and it seems easier to manage, it just it doesn't work. And we need to realize that humans are humans, okay? They're going to get egotistical. They're going to be corruptible. They're going to be able to be bought off. And if you think you're more special than anyone else, then you're more arrogant than the rest of us, right, because you think you're better. So um, countries should be able to manage themselves independently of any world government, and that's the only way it can work. And it's the same with the freedom movement, by the way. You know, a lot of people say, oh, wouldn't it be great if everyone could work together? It's like, yeah, no, that's never happened in human history, so why would it start happening now, you know? So I think we need to recognise what we're working with here, and we're working with humans. And uh, we're going to be decentralised until we need to be centralised for a particular mission. Like, if there was another pandemic situation the same as before all these different freedom movement arms would come together you know what i mean but then they would go back out again is the point so no i wouldn't want to control the world and if i did of course i'd become an egotistical maniac maybe not Um, a maniac but i'd you know monica this always happens um uh with when i do podcasts with um fellow christians i've just had a message saying monica smith's browser doesn't allow recording issue their browser is not allowed, allowing Riverside to save to disk. What should I do? I'm just going to click on it now. Okay. Oh, my, oh. 
and my computer's yeah, not. Yeah, thank um, you. Join the studio from a different supported browser or computer. Well, that's no bloody good, is it? We're not worried if we've done an hour of the interview. Um, what? What? Um, what's going to happen then? Well, does that uh, mean the whole thing's gone? Don't tell me that. It, st it says it stopped recording. Only their recording, only their recording stopped due to hardware limitations. If on a laptop, make sure it's plugged into a wall outlet. If your camera... Oh, it's probably because my charging's not working. Ah, oh, that might be it. Well, that's a good problem. That's not... Yeah, it's just being funny. I'm just trying to get it to work now. Well, look, I, I think go. we should go and go onto the sun deck and look at well you probably you're probably you're probably right look at some gulls now or or, or have you when's your book coming out four days oh that's exciting and and are you self-publishing or have you found a publisher for it self-publishing um we're printing independently packing sending everything independently from australia so it's not on amazon or um or anything it's just on my website so we've already oh, sold 1200 copies so. i can i can yeah. see it It'll sell really well. I hope so. Obviously, it's a bit expensive delivering from Australia, but I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shamelessly support Australia. If you want to buy a book, you have to buy it from Australia. And otherwise, we can wait for the audio or the ebook. you know? So mm. I think it'll be I okay. Saw, I've really come to hate the mail, particularly the, the mail online. And they did a, an attack piece on you, which, which made me like How long ago? More. Well... Somebody put it up on my channel this morning. It was about you Recently? Asking, well, do you want me to check? Oh, for inheritance? Is that yeah, the one? Yeah, yeah. When was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's oh, a good idea. Look, I, well, I just, I, like, my organisation just went backwards because, like, everyone was scrounging around to stay alive because there's no big crisis anymore. And um, I just said, look, I don't really care what happens, but if you want to keep RDA, if, if we mean something to you, then we need some funding. And if you've got an inheritance and you've got no kids, why don't you help us out? <laughs> like, I yeah, didn't... why not save Australia? Like, if you, believe, um, if you Yeah. So anyway, we got enough to kind of stay afloat, but we're just not offering services like we did because people don't need it, which is fine. It's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I... like we were, we were successful when everyone was in pain. So I don't want to be successful in that way. Um, I watched, have you seen, you probably don't watch TV and very sensibly so. Do you watch TV? I watch Netflix. Sometimes. Okay. So I watched, because I, I have the excuse, I'm a TV critic. Um, it's my last, my last toehold, claw hold on, mm -hmm. on, on, on the normie medium. I've got a once a fortnight TV column. And I watched MasterChef Australia. Mm -hmm. which is filmed in Melbourne. And what struck me watching, watching it is that um, all these contestants, I'll bet they're jabbed to the gills, start, starters. But here's a show which pretends that the world has, 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 has been the same in the last three years as it was in the preceding 30 years and that, and that, you know, all we care about is friendship and 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 good Love. recipes and 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 stuff like that. And I'm thinking, so many people should be ashamed what happened in Victoria 
in that period yeah. some people should, should not be able to live with themselves with what they did they should they should spend the rest of their lives just saying mea culpa because it was inexcusable i mean it would have it would we're encouraged to look at to, to point the finger at countries like china under mao or even under under xi or or, or we're encouraged to look at putin and um and, and and think of putin as the new as the new hitler and stuff and i'm thinking hang on a second guys look at what's going on in, in your own backyard backyard yeah yeah it's like and with people if if people say you know like that girl Monica went to prison just for protesting. Like, and people are like, no, that's fake. Like, they don't, they don't believe you. They just outright don't no. believe you. Because if they did, then they have to go go through their whole psyche of belief system, and that's too much to ask for. And Monica, do you know how many I? This was a period when I still just about read the read the newspapers just to try and see whether any voices of dissent were being allowed. You know, all those kind of commentators, like conservative commentators, like I used to be one myself. All these people that I imagine that when, 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 when it all kicked off, they'd be fighting mm -hmm. in the trenches next to me. And I scoured the newspapers every day, the comment sections, for the piece written by Charles Moore or Douglas Murray or Dan Hannan or all these, all these names. Um... Who, who, who've got an interest in, in the colonies and the empire and what, what, or the Commonwealth or whatever. And you'd think one of them would have written a piece saying, hang on a second, this is Australia. Australia is like, like part of the free West. This is not meant to happen. And guess how many of them wrote those pieces? None. Very, in one. Not, not one of the bastards wrote that piece. Yeah. We I'm, did have some in Australia. The Guardian, I think, really? did a few. The yes, Guardian, yeah. The or the Australian, sorry. Oh, I, really? Who? What, who? No, but oh, I mean, even, know, it was it was probably what, after. Where was Andrew Bolt in all this? I don't think even Andrew Bolt. No, he he, no, he was pro vaccine, pro coercion, all that sort of stuff. But you're right; he should have been. But he did start sort of criticising the police and the government sort of when it was safe to, you know? Yeah. When it was safe to. He had me on. He had Avi Yemeni from Rebel News on um, talking about the police overreach and things like that. I mean, better late than never, I guess. But, you know, it's safe Is to it? be – it's safe to, to be like that when it's all over. Like, it's kind of cowardice, isn't it? I thought the only people that I know of um... – who stood up to it were people like Rowan Dean. Um, he was you know, good. The, the Outsiders on he was great on Sky Australia. Um, Alan Jones, I think, was was sound. Yes, wasn't he? and he lost his show on Sky News, and Rowan Dean also lost his show on Sky News. So they paid the price. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm fond of Corey Bernardi. He, I'm, I, I go on his show occasionally. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he didn't say much about the vaccines, though. But um, but he's definitely definitely had a voice. He's he's sure. manned up since. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people were scared because, like, yeah. if you know, people like me would talk about it. it. You know, we would just get absolutely slammed in the media. And if your if your career depends on the media being, you know, on your side, 
uh, or being in the media because I wasn't in the media. So for me, it didn't matter. For me, it was great publicity, to be honest, to be slammed in the media. But for people like Rowan Dean and Bolts and stuff like that, they would have lost everything. Yeah, the thing is, though, I mean, to use a military analogy, which I rarely do these days because I'm so anti-war, but it's like it's like going into the Battle of Waterloo and and sort of running away on the grounds that, oh, well, there'll be another Battle of Waterloo coming along in a, in a few years' time and I can distinguish myself then. And no, you can't. I mean, this is, this is the big battle of our lives, what's happening now. And if you can't... If you can't cover yourself in glory now, when will you? What's the point of going on? Well, I don't know. Not everyone has a working conscience like like you do. You know, it doesn't... It, they justify it successfully in their heads. Every once in a while, it pricks them in at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're like, oh, I probably should have done... Oh, no, 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 just have another drink, you know? Um, so, yeah, people people uh, abandon their, their post a lot. I think, maybe more these days than ever before. Yeah, but Monica, if they only realise that, that this, this life is temporary and How the next one feels? Is, is, is eternal, I mean, that's quite a big difference. You know, I mean, we're, we're a lot of them do, though. Of... A lot of them are Christians and they still don't do it. Well, yeah but, yeah, but actually, are they Christians? Because I don't really see yeah. how you could, if you understand the concept of eternity and the afterlife, I don't think that you could act like this world matters that, I mean, that, you know, the, the, you, you, you wouldn't be afraid, would you? Mm. I, I guess think. not. I think, yeah, like I think a lot of people are just Christian by name because they think it makes them sound better somehow. But in reality, they really do care more about the world. So, but, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, because you, 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 were, you were very modest about your achievements and, and I kind of feel the same. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like I'm special. I feel like I'm blessed to have been given this, this, this role. It's just like, I mean, whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic in a way. It's just like result. Um, but I do feel sorry for those who, who, who can't see how desperate things are and how important it is to, well, as you say, resist things like, like digi- digital ideas if our lives depend on it, which they do. I mean, because actually life is not worth living if we, if, if we have our freedoms taken away from us to that, that degree. No, it's not. I'm, look, a lot of people are going to have to make that decision at one point and maybe they've already made the decision that they, um, they want to make the most out of this world um, that they possibly can. And look, that's their decision. That's why we've got free will, I guess. But I think, I think what happens as well, James, is that people see maybe you or me being demonised in, in the in the in the in the public, and maybe they think that that's all it is. But what you and I both know is that there is ninety percent positive feedback and maybe ten percent negative. And we know that, and yeah. maybe they don't see that, and they think that it's going to be really terrible. But what they don't realise is the support behind the scenes is just incredible, and the feeling, like we I think we said before, the feeling of accomplishing that and doing what's right it's just it beats every possible material game on the planet oh oh totally i was talking to my sister about this this uh, only the other day i was saying it's like being a rock star like like a huge rock star but without having to have sold your soul to the devil i say like yeah i mean 
that's the deal to, to become a famous rock star or movie star. I mean, you, you've seen the interview with the Bob Dylan did once and the one with Brad Pitt. They actually, that's how they get there, you know, get to be, be famous. We don't have to do that. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's good. I mean, you look at Peter McCullough and stuff when he goes and does events, you know, like it's 10 times any sort of, you know what I mean? Like he is a rock star. Yeah, in our eyes, you know, our, 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 our just, crowd is so so nice. I mean, <laughs> such great people. I've never been I've never been publicly trolled or ever, ever. You know, like it's all positive. You know, the only trolls are online because they're cowards. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, are um, we still doing the interview or yeah, are we just chatting? So. I think so. <laughs> no, no, we, yeah, but you know, that's what people say that that, that it's it's my my style. I just kind of. <laughs> You know, whatever. Um, I think you should go and and um, stare at I gulls. Um, they're not I called seagulls; they're called gulls. And right. you should do whatever you else you do on a cruise. Um, yeah, I will go eat. Oh yeah, go and don't don't forget your your neck pass because you won't be admitted. Um, so, uh, Monica, tell us where we can find you, where we can buy your book and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, monicasmith dot com. It's all there um that's it yeah and obviously i'm on instagram and facebook and and all that sort of stuff but monicasmith.com is where it's all at and um i still have a bit of my tour left to go so i'll be in greece croatia hungary uh then i'm going across to georgia uh usa so i'll be around that area for about a month and then i'm going home so if you're in any of those areas did you you organize the tour yes how did you find venues and stuff I don't. So I just, um, people invite me to like a casual event. So it's not a big event. It's like 30, 40 people. Some people do organize big ones with a hundred, 150 people, but I literally just put the word out. I'm going to be in this place. Does anyone want to invite me to an event? People invite me. I schedule it in. I turn up. Bob's your uncle. It's really, it's not, it's casual. Whereabouts in, yeah. in uh, Greece you're going? Yeah. So I haven't even scheduled them yet, but I know I'm going to go and I know that a few people will end up making it happen and so on the website when you click on tour you'll see the updates and i have um on my database i can section my database into countries so i can send an email to just greece or just hungry or you know um so that's how i do it try and get to cardamili in greece in the morning all right maybe you can maybe you can send that to me separately so I yeah it's really good I, I, I love croatia as well croatia is based yeah, they've got a big freedom movement there, from what I understand. So they I think have. I'm going to have a lot of fun there. Um, yeah, and it's obviously beautiful. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. So oh, that's, you, you, that's the you're, you're doing you're doing things right. You're doing things oh. right. Um, it only remains for me to thank my lovely viewers and listeners for your ongoing support. Please do keep supporting me. Um, I I do think it's wrong um, that somebody like <laughs> as I said on the last podcast, Tom Holland. And that other guy does the history podcast with him. He gets £70,000 a month. Yeah, £70,000 a month for, for, for his show, which is produced by Gary Lineker. I mean, evil, evil Gary Lineker. I don't think it's right that he should get that much when I get pretty much zilch. So please support me. Uh, you can support me on Locals, Subscribestar, Patreon and um, Substack. And you can buy me a coffee. Lots of you like buying me a coffee and I love that too. It's great. So, um, yeah, keep, keep it coming. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Monica, again. It's been brilliant. Thanks. 
and uh, yeah, you have to you have to leave you. your computer on for for so that it uploads. Otherwise, all this joy and wisdom will be wasted. Okay. Okay. I will leave it on. <laughs>